Regal Movie Masters. Unlimited. This is the Regal Movie Masters Unlimited Podcast, where we indiscriminately watch every goddamn movie that comes out at the local theater. The Movie Masters today are myself, I'm Colin. Over here we got Justine. Hi. Brent. Hello. And Dylan. What's up? Uh, today we got three flicks. No, I'm sorry. Well, trying to determine the difference between movies and flicks. We have uh, three f- highfalutin films, all very highbrow, yeah. all very artistic. Equally serious. Yes. Uh, they're going to be the Super Mario Bros. movie, <laughs> Air, and 1001. Before we get started, I'm going to ask that everyone who has a question or comment, email us at moviemasters760 at gmail.com. That's movie masters plural, 760 at gmail.com for questions, comments, queries, all that sort of thing. Uh, to, let's, get, let's get started with some fun. It's a Super Mario Bros. movie. That's the full title. Isn't it weird to have the title movie in the name? Of the- <laughs> Whoa, I just realized that. The yeah. Super Mario Bros. movie, which is, <laughs> the the is kind of weird too, because there's going to be... No, it's the only one. No, it's well. <laughs> it is. Uh, it's directed by three folks. It's directed by Nintendo. Yeah, I know. So they. So one of them, Aaron Horvath, Dylan, mm-hmm. directed uh, twenty-eight episodes of Mad TV. Who? What <laughs> season did it? Didn't didn't get that. Doesn't deep specify. Into it. Oh. And uh, they were. Uh, they've done like a lot of Teen Titans Go, kind of yeah. that kind of animation stuff. And it was written by one guy, Matthew Fogel, who did uh, the last Minions movie. That was nice. his big claim to fame. Is that the one we saw? Yes, the rise of Gru. Mm. Yeah, so he's a he's that guy's a, gonna be able to make, or his agent is gonna be able to make a big case for whatever his next movie is. I mean, geez, yeah. If you think about just if you're just looking at numbers, yep. <laughs> money made, yes, you're sir. doing all right for yourself. Um, yeah, we got Chris Pratt, Charlie Day, Jack Black, Waka Waka Waka. This is a movie about uh, Super Mario. He gets sucked into a pipe. And he's in a crazy world, and there's creatures everywhere. He's got to figure this stuff out. Uh, Bowser is coming. He's a big old lizard man. I'm going to talk about this as if like you've never seen the game before, right? Oh, it's based on a game. Yes. There's a video <laughs> game called Super Mario Bros. <laughs> and it's, it's a very popular game. It's been going on since the 80s, and this is an adaptation of it. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a Princess Peach. She's uh, obsessed over, simped over, some might say. By one Bowser, a fire-breathing dragon. Um, this uh, it's, it's, it's a, this is a bunch of gibberish <laughs> strung together. This is the 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 greatest example I can think of of keys jangling in front of your face for an hour and a half, and I loved it. It's so fun. <laughs> this is a great example of like how to execute um, complete fucking nonsense. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's so many men your age prepared to argue. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, that was the funniest thing is just how worked up people got over this video game movie. I mean, I know like we get worked up sometimes about some fucking dumb stuff, but you know, this one was like, I was like, really? You you have really strong opinions against this this Mario movie. Okay, I'll tell you how. This is why YouTube radicalizes people. (laughs) We watched one review where this guy, this uh, uh, you know, esteemed gentleman and scholar. Was like okay, so there it's not doing well review wise on Rotten Tomatoes. It's hovering around like fifty percent. Whoa, which is crazy to me because Whoa. it's such like a you know fun, easygoing 
you know, I mean, granted, I'm in the target demographic, mm-hmm. you know, someone who played Mario growing up a lot, but not obsessively enough as an adult to like be like, no, they got this wrong, they got that wrong. Just like, oh yeah, fun game. I remember, I remember those times. Yeah. And then they're also playing music from when those times happened. It's like, oh yeah, I know, I know. Aha. Uh-huh. I've I've got a stat for you. Sure. Uh, can you guess what percentage of ticket sales in America went to males between the age of eighteen and thirty-four? Eighteen and thirty-four. See that I almost feel like that's the wrong demographic. Okay, but, but I think it would go lean a little older or a lot younger. Uh-huh. Um, I'll get males to so not uh, they're not bringing dates. I would say <laughs> because you're bringing it up, I'm going to say it's a staggering number, <laughs> and I'm yeah. going to guess that that staggering number is sixty five percent. Dylan, would you like to wager a guess? Seventy percent. Justine. My guess was around those two. I don't know yeah. how much. One dollar. No, sixty uh, percent. Uh, okay. Oh, well. Sales went there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, anyways, this uh, uh, a goofy person on YouTube was like, "Well, it's being bombed on critic on uh, or, or Rotten Tomatoes, or it's not doing well on Rotten Tomatoes with critics because it's not woke enough, and they're so mad because they would rather they like all the woke stuff that Pixar and Disney puts in, oh, and because it's not woke man. enough." Like Pixar and Disney, Pixar and Disney movies have better reviews, but no one watches them and they lose money and Disney is losing money because they're so fucking... uh. Anyways, we watch one stupid video like this and the algorithm is just like, boom, boom, outrage, outrage, outrage. Like, try no... There is nothing. There is no controversy here, I don't think. This is like a movie bereft of any angles to look at or anything like upsetting. I think it's, you know... If anything, some of the buzz I've heard is that like Nintendo was very controlling about what they could do and who they could use and all of that, which is understandable. It's so that it ended up kind of bland, more bland than people would have. I I guess, but I don't. I mean, this the Mario games have always kind of been just a like weird, cozy time spent in a crazy world, gnarly looking graphics, kind of like the best of what. It's a flagship title, right? So it's always going to have kind of like the best graphics and best mechanics and stuff like that. And, but the plot is never present. And so making a movie out of it, I think is a challenge. And obviously that nineties movie kind of shows the difficulty of, you know, looking at some sprites jumping around on mushrooms and being like, I got to make a movie out of this. How do I, uh, how do I do it? And I, I don't have a better answer than what they did here. I mean, is there anything you guys wanted to see? In a Mario movie? Nope. That they um, didn't see here? I needed him to see that. I needed him to get the hat. In Galaxy, I think he gets a hat. I needed him to get that. Needed Waluigi. Mm, okay. Oh. You I got me there. Mario. You got me there. I needed. But then you could just make that into like Mario Party. Yeah, I suspect the more movies are I've, coming. Maybe they were just like, don't tip all our hand yeah. in one go. They put a lot of stuff into this. Yeah. Like those, those that, that Mario, he gets sucked into this. Mario World, let's call it, and uh, he's just off and running as Donkey Kongs. I didn't know there was going to be Donkey Kongs in it, but we got Donkey Kongs. We got, uh, yeah, just a member Barry Mania. It was just like, remember this, remember that. We got the the yeah. song from the TV show was like their commercial when they're in the human world as plumbers, which of course I appreciate. That's just it. They are making a movie for people like me. <laughs> but isn't that the beauty of it? Is that there were so many parts during the movie. 
that pull from the games that made different people feel a certain way because right. they've maybe played a game more than they did others. So like, you know, right, like, right. like, oh my God, he got the suit on, you know, like even the, the fireballs when that sure. happened, everyone's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I dip out after Mario 3. Yeah. I beat Super Mario World for SNES, but we're talking, this is ancient history, you know, the, the SNES and all that. That was the last time I played a Mario game. So I didn't know what the hell has gone on with the franchise since then and apparently based on uh this film nothing because i was was, uh i was somehow able to keep up with this thing i did have to ask dylan what the blue shell was he explained that to me Mm -hmm. he explained that there i I was able to piece together those mario karts yeah i know there's carts yeah about all i know and i know (laughs) the little hack thing in rainbow road i know that i don't know is this is this just i'm just letting this movie off for being such a packaged product you know of put it well and you said it's, it's dangling keys in yeah. front of you you know and it's fine like it's it's fine to have a giant movie that makes people happy every now and then yeah and i walked away from this uh, uh feeling happy and not really talked down to per se i mean a little bit <laughs> a little talk down to i don't know why the score the song selections that they picked that was when i was like okay you are He's just putting, you know, No Sleep Till Brooklyn and these kind of songs in here. This is this is a little on the nose, guys. Like I kind of like that because it's I feel like when you do a giant, like massively popular title like this and make a movie out of it, you kinda gotta go with the most basic bitch choice. Right. You know what I mean? Because you can afford it. That's <laughs> and, what you, I was thinking. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, it's just it's you're playing to a, like the most mass audience you can. So take the most mass appeal songs you can, put them in there. You don't need any deep cuts on this. Dylan, did you like the art style in this film? Yeah, uh, you know, it reminds me of like the newer Mario games, like the 3D stuff. Yeah, looks kind of like that, but with you know, minionized. Yeah, yeah, barely. It's not like you know, there's an actual minion other than in the beginning. Well, I watched uh, the Rise of Gru last year was my first Minions movie, and that's like you know they have been bankrolled at this point, Illumination, right? And uh, all I could think of watching that movie was, damn, this looks expensive. Yeah. Because <laughs> it looks very expensive. And uh, this was the same studio as, of course, Illumination. And watching this movie, I was like, damn, this looks expensive. <laughs> like, it all looks very good for, uh, you know, CG and 3D animated movies. Are we CG at this point? CG animated movies? Yeah. That's what I call them. I don't know if that's still relevant. But, yeah, for uh, a movie with that kind of art style, like, I'll, I don't know the ins and outs and frame rates and everything. I just know when it looks really expensive, and this one looked really fucking expensive. Since Dylan has a really good memory, and this is one of those rare movies that opened on a technically on a Wednesday, so they could you know yield the biggest box office that they possibly can on a holiday weekend. Dylan, do you recall the experience of going to the movie theater and like what we saw? Can you maybe describe some what, highlights? Like the costumes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could you describe some highlights for us? Well, next to us were a group of guys uh, dressed up like Mario characters. That was pretty cool. <laughs> and like in the beginning of the movie, and I thought he was going to like do it the entire time, and I didn't know if I had to like confirm about it. Dude had his phone like on the highest brightness. <laughs> and, it, and he wasn't like looking straight at it. It was like kind of like turned towards me so it wouldn't bother his friend or something. I was like, God damn it. Like, do I have to deal with this fucking bright light while bright, bright, colorful movie is playing in front of me? Uh, but that was fine. Then um, there's a kid in a Sonic onesie. That was cool. That was, good. That was a cool <laughs> kid. 
like different, you know. I'm different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like I'm stuff. a Sonic head, or I'm a Se- I'm a Sega boy. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm just saddened that I didn't see enough Toad hats. I wanted more Toad hats in the crowd. Honestly, it wasn't zero Toad hats. And I'll say this, Dylan, just yes. for perspective sake. Consider the amount of toad hats we saw at this movie versus any other movie we've gone to. Exactly. <laughs> Far more. Yeah, than I, would love the to, I would love to see more toad hats. Okay, if you want to see more toad hats, I'd highly recommend you make the drive up to Universal <laughs> Studios <laughs> and go to the uh, go to the Super Mario <laughs> World the Toad Hat Factory. <laughs> it's like every other dude has a toad hat and or a Luigi shirt. From what I know, in terms of their uh, souvenir gear, yeah. they have like Mickey ears. But they're boo like the ghosts, like two ghosts for Mickey ears. Oh, okay, I want Ooh. that so bad, dude. I don't know. Am I wrong for having Toad really low in my power rankings? No, nah. Mario character. I think Toad's a punk ass little bitch. Yeah, but he's in Wario's woods and he goes. Yeah, he is the main. He is, you're right. He is the main character in my favorite <laughs> Mario game, which is Wario's Woods for the NES. Mm-hmm. I'd like to change my answer actually, and I'm gonna go. Toad was cute as hell in this movie. He was cool, yeah. yeah. And uh, I guess that could bring us to voice acting, right? Cause yes. For, I think there's so little to grasp at with this film that people are like looking at every angle they can. They're like, ah, ah. Uh. Like somebody <laughs> needs a hot take for yeah, a Mario movie. Exactly. <laughs> like, You're looking at the wrong angles, bro. <laughs> yeah, like uh, Chris Pratt exists. And I, I don't think anyone, well, Jack Black is getting a lot of credit for being great. I think we can, oh, we're, yeah. all, we're on He's board with that. He's kind of born to be Bowser. I feel like Peach and Mario both had just, Kind of whatever voices, yeah. like not bad, not good. They were just. I thought Peach was good. Anya Taylor Joy. I don't know what people are comparing these things to. Where they're like, no, should have been somebody else, right? And, so that he could depict what, like, which version of this character are you like measuring this against? It's almost like people get really passionate about movies about their childhood. But, <laughs> but what? The, what is it compared to? That's yeah. that's my question. They're it's not compared heads. to the movie. <laughs> I'll go as far as to, I'll extend that out, not just in voice acting, but the whole plot, everything. Like, yeah, what that's are we, what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> what are we going? What are we comparing this? Yeah. What are you angry about do, it? Do you not play the video game like to. this? Right. <laughs> yeah, it's like this game has no voices, <laughs> no <Yeah>. voice acting. <laughs> but I guess, uh, yeah, Ke- uh, uh, Keegan Michael Key. That's the uh, yeah. I didn't even know guy's voice. Yeah, the whole time I was like, "What the fuck?" And that's a good voice actor when they you get lost in their their character. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't step out to you as anything. Yeah, but I realized that I don't even know what like without seeing his face and his mouth moving. I don't know what Chris Pratt's voice sounds like. Right, and I think that's kind of what's cool about him. If you want to say that is just that the blank slate factor. Yeah. You know, there is nothing. I have nothing to. I have no feelings for or against Chris Pratt, and that's kind of an accomplishment at this point. A human blank slate, and it's like, yeah, why not put a blank slate in the place of quite literally a blank slate, which is Mario. I would not say that I don't have any feelings toward him, but I would say that if I just heard him speaking, I would have no idea right. who it is. Yeah, that's what, yeah, same. The only reason I knew it was him is because there's so much controversy about his voice going into it. Yeah, yeah. And then it turns out that it's a it's a whole lot of nothing to be yeah. concerned with. Mm-hmm. Did you see the box office? Oh, what's it, how are we looking? Three hundred and seventy-seven million dollars, which sets a box office record That's for gnarly. animated. Uh, it beat, you know, of course, beat up Minions yeah. and Transformers for the biggest, you know, opening. What's ever. budget? Ooh, that's a good check. Which see. Transformers? 
Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen uh, brought in <laughs> <Shut> two hundred <up>. million <laughs> compared to that one. I mean, yeah. I guess that could be the that yeah. was a hype one. You we know, are like, stretching like, the animated. Yeah, I didn't know. That's why I was like, which one? Are we talking? That's considered animated. I mean, CG everywhere. But we yeah, knew but that there were some Avatar games. Isn't we knew there was some mm. gamesmanship going on because we're like, because we saw it really early, you know, like, like yeah, in the week. Yeah. So we're like. Huh, I wonder if this is like strategic to get a massive number, but I don't think even they knew it was going to be that massive. I think having a 90-minute runtime plays into that too cuz that's okay. just x amount more of showings a day you can put on, you know. So, yeah, if we're getting I think this is going to move things into the shorter movie. Budget was 100 million, so they've already moved. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. That God. is cheap. I know cuz it looks great. It looks it fantastic. And they got like, you know, A-list, you know, actors right? to involved. Right. They got <laughs> hey, don't don't talk about Fred Armisen that no, way. Hey, Anya Taylor Joy, I mean Pratt, Anya Taylor Joy. Yeah, they're they're, you know. they're kind of whatever, yeah. or about that level. Yeah, I, I think Pratt's uh, box office gross probably bumps him to A list. Maybe if he's not culturally A list, he's definitely financially A list. Yeah, I wasn't saying A list in terms of like body of work, but <laughs> <Yeah>. rather money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would will... like to know how much he gets. I'm needing... I mean, between he's, Guardians he's... and Jurassic Look, Park, he's Jesus. not like a RDJ A list. You know, uh, I mean, well, you can't do a Guardians movie without him. There's well, on sure, their fourth but... one. I will, I will, I will reduce this down to household name. There we go. There we go. <laughs> the money made on the Jurassic World trilogy. He's in more than one Jurassic Park he's in, movie? He's in, he's the, in the, the whole He's trilogy. the one we didn't see. Yeah. I have not seen him. <laughs> no, nor I, but they made enough money to, yeah. like I said, I'm not, I'm, he's a numbers guy. He's like Zoe Saldana then. Oh, yeah, where he's just in all the... She's in everything that makes tons of money. But the, I think there is a, another asterisk I'm going to put on his name because he had that Parks and Rec thing. Yeah. So it, just like hours that he takes up in people's eyeballs <laughs> yeah, okay. like not necessarily uh our eyeballs but the people that like to just watch the same yeah. nbc sitcoms over and over again he's uh he's taking up some space and some minds that's all i'm saying he's got some <laughs> he's, he's, he's doing the damn thing so, so for the our, our friend in the sonic uh onesie Sonic 2 opened to 72 million really opening weekend for sonic 2 was 72 million that was that was covid shake off I'm going right. to put an asterisk on that one, too. Are we at the dawn of uh, video games usurping superheroes as IP that gets turned into uh, big-budget uh, summer movies? Just through Sonic and Mario? I mean, that's not a bad start. Yeah, it's not. That's like... I mean, if you want to... I think seeing the hype around Last of Us, it's a TV show and everything, but that's still some validity. How deep's I mean, the bench, would you say? What's that? How deep is the bench? You know, like, who else can we send out there? I mean, I've been championing this since uh, our Sonic run. I need a goddamn Golden Axe movie. I bad. would watch a Golden Axe movie. We watch the shit of a Golden Axe movie. Um, yeah, NBA 2K movie. Ooh. I would watch an NBA 2K movie. <laughs> I mean, too specific. There's so many basketball films. All of a sudden, it's like NBA 2K. <laughs> Justine, what video game do you want to see first on the screen? Well, it's the one that my little brother is going to be in if it ever gets made. Which is? The Streets of Rage. Oh, my God. I would God watch a Streets damn. of Rage movie. <laughs> uh, it be unbelievable, yeah. a Streets of Rage movie. But it's ma- it's going to happen. I'm yeah. Manifesting this. I don't see how it couldn't. Yeah, it's stupid for I mean, it to have already not have been done. But, I mean, if now is the era, pretty good time. There's even a game made recently that's phenomenal. So yeah. it's not like it's, you know, a dusty old piece of antiquity. Mm-hmm. Did they make a Zelda movie? 
Yeah. No. Oh man, that's gotta happen. Metroid. I Metroid mean, would be massive. A yeah. lot. Call of, of Duty, dude. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> would be hard. It's called the news, <laughs> dude. Can you imagine a, a Resident Evil movie? Oh. <laughs> you know what game I like? Uh, Doom. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, shit. Ooh. Ooh, dude, a Kirby movie? Oh. Oh. Bro, the Star Fox movie is going to be fucking Fox. disgusting. The Super Smash Brothers movie? I where mean, they all put them together. That's and they their, kiss. Is that their Infinity War? Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> the real MCU. Yeah, just builds up to or that. MCU, I guess. Uh, <laughs> this writes itself too well. Ice I mean, climbers. <laughs> and then James Gunn gets involved and he's like, Duck Hunt, the movie. <laughs> There was a weird preview at the beginning of Mario that looked like it was going to be a duck hunt thing. No. Yeah, we just missed it. But it was another movie. Yeah, it was like a movie, but it was like a bunch of ducks. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. You didn't see that when you walked in? <laughs> no, nah, I was just too was like, really like, tunnel vision for Mario. I, I didn't mean, even piece it together until Justine like nudged at me and was like, Duck cut the movie. And I was like, was what? Weird. Shut the fuck up. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay. You told her to shut <laughs> the fuck up. It was like a green duck and everything. I was like, oh, yeah, shit. Like, that's a, I that, don't remember that at all. They would do this at the goddamn Mario movie. That's what. I, so that's why I was like, I've never seen this before. Man, this must be a extended universe. Oh, you know what? It happened while I was looking for my ticket stub on the floor. Oh. Yeah, I, uh, most of my favorite games are like puzzle games. So like, I don't see... I definitely do not want a Tetris movie. I think they tried there's to make a, one. There's or? like a... There's the Tetris biopic and documentaries oh, okay. and movies about like competitive Tetris players and stuff like that. But like a raw dog fictional, like I am the king of the Tetrazoids and all I that stuff. I swear there's where one the pieces are talking. Yeah, I'm yeah. not I'm not I'm not here for what that. About bubble Bobble. Bubble Bobble could go hard. Yeah, the two dinosaurs that's like, oh, we have to make three reds. <laughs> the complicated true story behind Apple TV's Tetris movie. I yeah, think. is that is that the one you're talking about? Yeah, that yeah. one came out okay. very recently. A friend of mine who's um a little uh too in the reads with the history of that movie was saying he was just watching it and just like pulling his hair out, like no, wrong, <laughs> wrong, no, didn't happen like that, no, just like losing his mind. He's, he he gave it a very uh, scathing review, um, but you know, <laughs> I, I have no problem believing that the that that's a a flim flam movie. Uh-huh. I would be curious about is like how the f- quote unquote fandom for video games would be different from like comic books, like when they first started coming out. Right. I don't know if it's just video games have like a wider audience, right? Of like course. a wider appeal. So I don't know if this Mario movie is kind of um, uh, a bellwether <laughs> or whatever, right. where it's like, I don't know. They should like it, but they don't. <laughs> yeah. Like how safe do you have to play it? For like future adaptations of things, especially with something so simple, I don't know. Well, maybe they need to get into a more complicated thing where they can just follow the script exactly yeah, <laughs> like I The mean, Last of Us does. There is like Final Fantasy and Dragon Warrior and those kind of games where it's like, uh, you know, centered on a specific plot with lore and stuff like that built mm-hmm. in. So that's a possibility. But I think if you really break down a lot of that stuff like can you imagine a fucking kingdom hearts movie or something where it's like <laughs> trying to bring up time travel and why uh goofy is involved for some reason <laughs> who's goofy the, who's the kingdom hearts dog. guy soren or oh uh Dora. man stuff like that where there's, where there's <laughs> stuff like that where there's like a lot of plot mm-hmm. that might be a little too much you probably want to be in that sweet spot where you can kind of write your own world around it 
overall, Super Mario Brothers, are we uh, are we are we gonna warp to level nine, or are we uh, just gonna turn the game off and walk away? I'll say uh, I'll 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 take the warp. I'll go into the warp zone. This is a very fun movie, and not much else. But I don't think it needs to be much else. And uh, in a world where a lot of IP just gets adapted and is not always great, uh, this is a good example of how to do like just a pure high octane sugar rush of an adaptation of an IP that really I think if people are being honest with themselves or not can't really be mad at. Uh, maybe not overly thrilled or like make it part of regular rewatches, but like a good time, particularly a good time at the theater. I don't think uh, I don't think there's much that beats this. So uh, yeah, I'm 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 taking that warp zone. Um, yes, I don't know what you're talking about. I have not played that many Mario games with the warp that I'm gonna guess that it's good. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, as a person who didn't really play a ton of Mario or anything, I think that people who are taking it too seriously are like forgetting that this is is also supposed to not just appeal to you know. 50 year old men, yes. but to like eight year old kids, you know, who's, who are presently playing Mario right. games and that's who it really is for. That's the new, yeah. you know, generation of that. So I think to have a movie that appeals to both and it's 95 minutes or whatever, and it looks great. Of course, it's a good job. They did a great job of uh, being able to appeal to everybody, I would assume. And I got to piggyback on your point there. Cause I think the, this appeals to kids and adults. That's like the flag that Pixar has been waving for two decades now. And it's like, not really. You kind of made a movie that's a little boring for a kid's movie and a little dumb for a grown-up movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think I've always taken umbrage with the people who are moved to tears during Pixar movies yeah. or something. Oh but no, but this was like, depending on how familiar you are, right. you are still able to get something out of it. Yes. Like there's people who are going to notice things in the background that I don't get, you know, but there's things that I'm going to get that I'm like, oh yeah, that's cool. That's fun. And then I guess if you, you know, the more you know, <laughs> right. you know, the, the more in depth you will notice that they've gone. So that's what I mean by like kids that are going to be like, Donkey Kong. Right, right. Know, or that's going to be fine. And then if you're one of those people that notices like the arcade cabinets yeah. in the... in the Oh, I see that was a <laughs> uh, picture for the original 8-bit Kung Fu in the background. <laughs> exactly. How interesting <laughs> that that sprite makes his appearance in the... Yes. Yeah, yeah so, this, is, this is my... This is a kind of like it appeals to kids and adults that I can get behind as opposed to like, my mom died and now it's a movie. We're, we all have moms, so we can Nobody's relate. mom dies in this movie. Nobody's mom <laughs> dies in this movie. Congrats. Hey, round for Hollywood. Uh, you made a movie. Wait. I don't up? know. Peach's parents weren't there and they true. made a big. She just got name. sucked up. That's weird, too. They introduced some weird lore because we don't know if it's like. He's like, I'm not, maybe I'm not a human. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Takes off her uh, crown. There's like a fucking. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> Cat ears. Yeah. Uh, Brent, where where are you at? You warping? Uh, I'm not gonna warp, but it's not because I didn't like the movie. I I I'm not gonna warp because I want to go through all the levels to earn right. the respect right. of my friends Donkey yes. Kong and Princess Peach. Right, you know what I mean. I want them to see me go through the struggle so they respect me more. Dylan, <laughs> I'm gonna go through the warps. Uh, I'm gonna give it a big old woohoo! Hey. <laughs> Air is a movie directed by Ben Affleck. 
And um, this is a movie about the signing of Michael Jordan onto Nike and uh, the the very uh, beginning and gestation period of uh, the Air Jordan shoe that Nike has released. Um, and uh, I don't know of a better way to how to how better to explain it other than that. Sounds very dull. Maybe it is, but uh, I was uh, I was a uh, over the moon at uh, this historical biopic. What do you call it when it's not like a biopic? It's like a event pick. Based on true event pick. Okay. Yeah, it's not bio. It's kind of bio, but not really. They don't get into the little details of all the people's lives or anything. It's just like, here's this event. Nike is in the mid-80s. Their basketball division uh, is floundering. They need to sign someone who's like lightning in a bottle. They've the, their scout sees Michael Jordan and he's Michael Jordan doesn't want to sign with them. He's into Adidas. He's into Converse. And uh, this guy is like, no, we need him. And so like he has to convince the company to put all the money onto MJ and all the resources go on there. And he's got to fight with MJ's agent and he does subterfuge to talk to his mom played by Viola Davis. It's, uh, you know what this genre is? It's men yelling at each other. Well, I was going to say, this is another movie where a lot of people talk themselves out of even going to see the movie before they knew a goddamn thing yeah. about like, what was actually going to be on the screen. It's like, I'm not going to see a movie about a fucking shoe. Like, how <laughs> entertaining could that be? Like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I mean, um, I, I don't know how the film's doing or anything that. I haven't heard anything bad about it. But most of my stuff comes from like sneaker people. And Twenty so, million dollar opening, pretty good. Okay, yep. what's, the, what's the budget on this one? I don't know. Man, I like Ben Affleck. I uh, yeah. I really do. He's one of those like dark horse guys. Where you're like, oh yeah, he was in this, and he was in that, and he was in this other thing. And as a director, he directed the town. Yeah, really awesome movie. Argo and um, Gone Baby Gone. Man's got uh, I, I, me and him are on the same wavelength. Man, see him, you see me. <laughs> see me, you see him. We look exactly the same. Uh-huh. We make the same amount of money. Mm-hmm. We're just in the same league. Mm-hmm. I really like what he's what he what he does in general in this movie. Uh, yeah, like the Criterion uh, classic Armageddon. Bingo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, space cowboy <laughs> dating uh, Liv Tyler. And oh. crazy how like you're you're holding a bunch of uh, Dunkin' Donuts coffee and wearing a Bridge Nine Records shirt right hey, now. Hey, what the fuck are you talking about, pal? <laughs> you listen. No, he bad. did the town right. Yeah, yeah. amazing movie. It's a good movie. Um, He's with Matt Damon again. Yes, mm-hmm. back together, the dynamic duo. Who Matt Damon stars in this movie? Yes, too. and that's just a, the the thing. He's Matt Damon. In this movie he has to convince everyone to give him money, so he's yelling at people. You don't understand what this guy's got, and then they're like, "You're always irresponsible." And then because yeah, his job title is just basketball guru, because yeah. Knight is such like a, you know he's kind of a spiritual kind of you know, a weirdo CEO, right. but he. That's his old buddy, you know, and he and he, tr- he believes in him. You know, yeah. He, but now that Nike had gone public at that point, um, he was so worried about the, the board and right. that sort of thing. Yeah. And so, of course, you know, at the the chemistry between Affleck and Damon and Phil Knight and the the scout guy, it's like perfect because they're like you know old buddies, been through a lot, and that plays out on the screen really well. And uh, yeah, it's, it's fast paced. I think. I mean, for. What's essentially not a very long period of time, maybe a week yep. of actual time where he's like, we need to get this guy. And then they just have to slowly convince 
Michael Jordan's family. Everybody. To, everybody. <laughs> well, yeah, because like the other shoe brands, they were seeing not yeah, maybe not the granular detail that Damon's character was seeing in in Jordan, but everybody saw that there was something to this guy. Right, and Sonny. Sonny Vicario. There right? we go. Yeah, yeah. And a, there's a really funny moment, you know, on the big signing when he's like, "Everyone at this table is going to be forgotten except for you, Michael Jordan. You're going to go down as a legend." And like. I was so stoked to see Peter Moore on there because Peter Moore designed the shoe Mm -hmm. and I'm like fixated on sneaker designers, you know, (laughs) and like to see that character come out and be like, here's what I've been working on. Here's the tech and everything. They didn't get too deep into the tech or anything. With a slight lisp. That was incredible. Yeah. I don't know that actor's name, but I thought he did a great job. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't, I don't think I've seen like actual interviews with Peter Moore. So I don't know that his voice is Mm -hmm. like that, but he um, designed a lot of really good shoes and they didn't get too deep into like well there's air in the midsole that you can't see or blah 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 they didn't get they didn't tech spec you to death Mentioned or anything. that for 1.5 seconds right they moved on yeah. <laughs> right right yeah. so uh but a big part of the actual signing of michael jordan was like we're going to build a shoe just for you and to your specifications because like yeah i think he played in uh what was the converse he played in it was uh rivalries top 10 there's like a lot of models that were kind of like the the jordan one and that's why i am just fixated on the jordan one in general is like it really is if you look at even other shoes that nike had done before like the terminator and the ship is one of them um there was just a lot enough tweaks and changes to where it's like that is just the apex of that style of basketball shoe and it's hard to talk in terms of design of like how do you get the best of one specific kind of thing? Because a little bit, you know, later. That's why he has former function. There we go. And for me, it was just so exciting that they spent enough time on like the design of the shoe itself. In real life, you know, it was something kind of made for Jordan. That's what gave him the edge to sign with them because everyone else was just like, and they show this in the movie too, you know, they're like, yeah, I just wear one of our shoes. Nike's like, no, we're going to make you a shoe. And so it's like, that's a pretty appealing proposition. As a person that's so passionate about about the Jordan 1 and sneakers in general, what did you think about the presentation of the shoe at the pitch? I think they tried to run it kind of like like in Pulp Fiction where they show the, yeah, the, 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 the thing thought. that was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you don't ever see it. And they play that trick a little bit with uh, Michael Jordan because you don't see Michael Jordan in the movie. He doesn't have like dialogue you'll see like the back of his head and stuff and they'll go through really funny ways of not showing Honestly, Michael Jordan. I think they might have done that so the movie didn't wouldn't tank because if because nobody could portray It's such a smart yeah. choice because yeah. you can't do it. Yeah, it's you impossible. Can't. You only hear him say one word right. on the phone, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so it's economic too. And you end up giving more of the role to Viola Davis's mom who like, you know, does a great job acting like a protective mother who's into her son's best interests and business savvy and smart enough to make sure he's not getting screwed over by this deal or that. And so it's a really interesting choice to be like, it's a movie essentially about Michael Jordan without Michael Jordan in it. And this is the only way you could tell the story. I don't know. I thought that was a smart move. The shoe itself, you know, they did really have like glory shots of the sneaker and everything. And, I, I don't know if it has the same effect for uh, um, a lot of people watching it. or Even if it doesn't on the shoe level, I think the Viola Davis angle, which is effectively um, changing the game in terms of 
black talent versus corporate America right. and how to structure a deal. Yes. You know, when you have a generational talent like that, you know, because like, uh, there, yeah, there's that really, not pivotal, but there's like a heavy scene where Matt Damon wants Michael Jordan so bad, but he's at a level where he can't approve numbers. Right. And so he's talking to uh, Jordan's mom and he's, and he's just like, uh, I, I, that's not how it's done. And in, in the, in, he wants Jordan so bad and he doesn't realize that, you know, you can ask to shift the paradigm for right. him and he's freaking out because he thinks he's going to lose the deal because he's not, or he's not able to concede to uh, Jordan's mom's request for the structure of the deal. Yeah. She wanted to approve that. Yeah. She wanted a percentage of the shoe sold to go to Michael Jordan yeah. and that hadn't been done before. They On just top of yes. the, the record breaking contract right. and, and the Mercedes. Yeah. Yeah. So it was an endorsement deal and money on the shoe that has his name on it. Um, Phil Knight um, approving that deal, it goes to like, you know, his foresight. And it's it's just great from a movie perspective because you're watching this and you're like, this is really important. Everyone needs to go along with this. But people are like, you know, giving them pushback and dragging their feet. And so you, the viewer, is like, ah, oh, just, ah. I know. <laughs> Even though you know it happened. Like, they had, yeah. <laughs> everything yeah, worked out. Yeah, when they said uh, $250,000, you know, to offer, I was like, oh, my God, for five years? What the fuck are yeah. you doing? Offer, 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 mortgage your house, do everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's like, you, you have some information that the people in the movie don't have. But they have a device that addresses that. They ha- The the um, convenience store clerk, you know what I mean? Right, like, right. Too short, man. You, you don't draft a guard that high you know what I mean? yeah. and then like after the first year they're like yeah man everybody knew <laughs> right right as a non-sneaker or basketball or sports person right <laughs> um i still thought it was it was a, it was a good watch like it's cool because you get to see everything that came together to make this like very iconic thing right the jordan shoe jordan as a person right. <laughs> you know and the establishment of nike as something bigger than like a running shoe company all happening like because of the same deal is kind of crazy yeah and so you kind of get to see uh how close the world was to not getting those things right right and yeah there's like a lot of different aspects of it i really like them showing the design of the shoe Mm -hmm. i really like them saying like the marketing part of it right just like the brilliant tactic of uh, you can only make a white shoe with like accent colors. And they're like, no, nah, just make a colorful shoe. It's like, but he'll get fined. We'll pay the fine. Yeah. <laughs> he'll still wear the shoe. It'll be a big deal. It's like, that is brilliant. That's yeah, a great yeah, yeah. idea. Turn that into an advertising campaign. Yeah. Of so all of this was like uh, just taking chances, doing weird things, uh, spending money to make money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. a lot of really cool things that came together. So it's neat, even if you're not surprised by what happens, because you know what's going to happen. Um, and even if they don't show Jordan, he's more like the, like the goal. <laughs> yeah. Know? He's not like the, he's not a person that you need to worry about in this. You know who Michael Jordan is. Um, but he's like part of the goal of these other people. And I don't know anything about those other people either, but they all, they all seem pretty cool. Right. <laughs> kind of weird because the dialogue in some parts seems very like ad-libbed and casual. <laughs> yeah. And it seemed like Matt Damon was really laughing at some of the things well, yeah, that were and being said. I, I think it's because like when, when there's passion involved in like trying to get somebody to sign with you, you're going to say some like fun, unintentionally funny shit. Like his name's not Adi, it's Adolf, Adolf, you know, like, <laughs> and that got me so good. You know, Cause it's just, it's so like, I've got to win this and I'm going to say everything I can possibly yeah, yeah, say yeah. and think of in order to like make my case to get this kid. 
Uh, did, well, did you guys have any thoughts on the music in this? I have a weird theory. Go ahead. There's a lot of syncs. There's almost a constant yeah. running of music playing. I was thinking of like the through line of all the songs, you know, because it's varies okay. wildly. And I think it's all music that was either cutting edge for the time and has aged very well, like a Cyndi Lauper or a um, uh, Dire Straits, Violent Femmes, yeah. kind of stuff that was at its time super fresh, but hasn't gotten dated. Or it was um, artists from the 70s that were able to like, adapt into the 80s very well like zz top and shaka khan were in there artists who may have been stuck in one space who like zz top to me i'm i'm weirdly fascinated with uh uh that eliminator album because it's like zz top is not the band that should have shifted into the 70s so well <laughs> you or know like 80s. not yeah, yeah like yeah. Or, yeah into the 80s like they're these shit kicking bar band if you're listening to trace ombres and then by the time Eliminator hits are like slick and MTV ready, doesn't make any sense on paper. But that's I was about to say they were MTV ready. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. And so it just somehow worked out. Like same, if you will, for uh, you know, Nike with like their, you know, if you think of like Cortez era Nike, like Absolutely. you know, Blue Ribbon Sports selling uh, you know, uh Onitsuka Tigers out of the back of the trunk, like Waffle Racers, Daybreaks, like that Nike transitioning into the 80s like i was kind of drawing parallels musically and like uh cool with the, with the company uh, i don't know if how intentional that was i think they were probably just playing songs that were like make that, them know it's the down. 80s yeah. but they were yeah. like cutting edge in their time or like yeah. new like you know and the same with the the uh, uh, they're phenomenons in their time same with the yeah. jordan one you know it was like new and it was fresh mm-hmm. in the way that like a violent femmes was but Years later, it still kind of has that like freshness to it. Yeah. There's nothing like played out or stale or anything. And I think that I think the musical cues were keeping those ideas in mind. There's like parallels you could draw to the company, the sneaker, and the music. This, this is my this, this is my thing. I don't know if there's how no, I like that you went that deep with it. The, 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 those were my thoughts. Um. I didn't remember any of the music except the My Adidas. Right, right. <laughs> and then that Violent Femmes part. The, the Cindy Lauper part was pretty, you know, memorable for me that. anyway. Yeah. You know what? It just, it just reminded me that that um, there was like like that song that I Need a Hero. Right, right. Mario, which we also just saw in the Shazam movie. Yes. And <laughs> I heard is also in the Tetris movie. And if you oh, wow. told me it was in the Jordan movie, I would have believed it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. Someone's making money. <laughs> yep. You didn't catch that there was two violent film songs. Yeah, there's yeah. one. Yeah. There. That, was, that was weird, man. I, I mean, was like, that's a crazy call. They're gonna use Blister in the Sun. Yeah, that's fine. But then the other one, I was like, what the fuck? It's, <laughs> a, deeper, it's a deeper cut. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah, same yeah. album too. I was, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. We're gonna, that record is never gonna die. Nope. <laughs> Fucked it's because up, right? of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. That's true. Sabrina the Teenage yeah, that, Witch. There was an episode where. Well, I'm, it's like one of her favorite. It's like her favorite band. <laughs> can you uh, can you tell us what year that episode came out? <laughs> oh wow, it's very important. <laughs> the first uh, Violent Femmes record is eighty four. I thought it was seventies. No, no, I thought it was like eighty three, eighty two, eighty three. I think it might be eighty four. Though definitely, definitely fact check that one. But I, I mean, I know that the, the crazy thing about my introduction to the Violent Femmes is is pre internet. So, but nobody had the record. We just knew that there was this band called Violent Femmes, and so like. 
as the months went by, you just kept thinking about that name, Violent Fest. What does that even mean? I don't know what that is. And you'd build it up, and when I hear this fucking band, it's going to blow my mind. Then you put it on, and the guy's just like, add it up. And you're like, oh, that doesn't sound at all. But it was still tight, you know, because you're like, okay, there's some, something still cool going on, but it sounded nothing like what I dreamt up in my head. April 13th, 1983. 83, okay. Yeah, it was a big, like, SoCal uh, rock record so i that all those stupid fucking songs are just embedded in my brain forever skaters like fucked with it right yeah, yeah. that one and like uh the, the dead milkman like yeah growing up in san diego the songs are burned into my head and i have no problem believing that 50 years from now people are going to still be hearing <laughs> those songs the point with this sabrina the teenage witch issue though yes came out 15 years <laughs> after the album in question and in that 15 year time between the album with gone daddy gone and blister in the sun and all that Violent Femmes did not have one hit song between that time. They put out albums, but all their albums that aren't that first record completely fucking What's suck. What's wild is like it, it, every generation has their Violent Femmes face. I remember yeah. uh, when I was in high school, we saw them play in a stadium in DC. It's so nuts, you know, because that was just like that was like their first like really big pop, right. you know. But it just, and it just keeps happening. And they put out records and everything, but no one. It's just that first record that anyone cares about. So it's insane that Sabrina, the teenage witch, <laughs> Melissa Joan Hart, that is, is obsessed with this band that yeah. put out one meaning significant so record funny. 15 years. And she like thinks he, the guy prior. is like really dreamy and stuff. A textbook schlub. Yeah. yeah. Respect. Yeah. No shade or anything, but yeah, a hilarious pick for. <laughs> I may be misremembering this, but I, I feel like one of the, like, like BMG or Columbia House, they had a Violent Femmes greatest hit CD. And it was basically just the first record. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 100%. Air. Is this a slam dunk? Or is this a, a foul? <laughs> we, sign, we sign in this rookie? Or are we going to let the let Converse take are, him? Are we getting John Stockton? <laughs> or Sam Bowie? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I say sign sign this rookie. Sign on. Now, I, I enjoyed this film thoroughly. This is a, much like the Mario movie. Mario movie was like, I'm in the demographic that it's made for, and I understand that, and I feel a little bit talked down to, but not enough to ruin my enjoyment of it. This is a movie with me, very much so in mind, and I don't feel talked down to. I feel like, uh, I feel pleased. I'm, I'm, and again, not just because of the sneakers and stuff, but because very much so, I cannot stress enough. I love men yelling at each other, the movie, the genre. I, I, like Glengarry Glenn Ross is the alpha and omega of this genre, I think. But like, man, just anything in that constellation, I'm gonna love. And this is a men yelling at people movie, and uh, and I and I loved it. God damn it, <laughs> Justin, did you see it as a men yelling at each other movie? I know it's one of these movies that Colin likes. Of people on the phone, people making deals. Are you people. shitting me or are you not <laughs> shitting me? Don't shit on a plate and then make me eat it, because I will fucking kill you, you fuck. I feel that kind of undersells Viola Davis's <laughs> massive role in this movie. Oh, well, yeah. She, I mean, it's it's not just... Yeah, it has featuring men yelling at each other yes. okay. on phones okay. and stuff. Right. right. But also also science. Yeah. Also Design. <laughs> history. Marketing tactics. Yeah. yeah. Uh, reading people. Sure. Yeah, there was a lot of Faith Chris and your, Tucker, your old friends. Good in it. Marlon Wayans. Right. He's in it. Jason Bateman, probably my favorite part of the movie. Right. Yeah. Chris, a company man who's just knows the stakes are dire. Yeah, real subtle, but like yeah. funny and pivotal, but just kind of doing his job. 
But um, yeah, what signing? Is that what it yeah, was? Yeah, yeah. You gonna sign him? Yeah, absolutely. Because especially because now we know what happens, and I like that they tell people what Gonzaga is. There we go. <laughs> Where it is? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Shout out Gonzaga. Where's Gonzaga. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Love this movie. Um. Definitely signing. Like I said, I'd mortgage the house. You know, for but uh, I think um, in terms of the Affleck filmography, solid number two behind the town. Love it. Uh, yeah, I'm signing the third pick, Michael Jordan. I'm gonna sign him, mm-hmm. and then I'm gonna do the big reveal of the Jordan one. Yes, Chicago colorway. Right. That was crazy, man. Yeah, just to see that on screen, all glory shotted. Yeah, and just like. Whoa, that's the shoe they made? Right. Crazy. They showed that was some, good. They showed it, it was rivalries when he meets with Adidas. Yeah, it was a or bunch of ri- forums. Forums, they're the ones with the strap all and, lined uh, up and everything. Also, the Converse was a fast break. There we go. I was trying to remember it too. Fast break mid. Good shoe. That was a good uh, touch where they just like, they brought out the three forums, just three different colors of yeah. the same shoe. And they're like, hey, Come and sign with us. You'll be with the greatest players right now. So that was great that they're like, here's one shoe. It's in a glass case. This is the Jordan. Oh, so <laughs> your know? shoe. It has yeah. your name on it. Your name is on it. Yeah. Good job, guys. Right. Signing Michael Jordan. <laughs> and making an entertaining film. Yeah. Man, this movie didn't make me want to move to Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All the green and like, yeah, why can't I just jog outside when it's nice and lush? ignoring the fact that it's usually like freezing or raining or <laughs> really unpleasant. Yeah. That Beaverton, Oregon lifestyle. I thought that was so funny. The agent is like, the fuck are you guys in Oregon? Oh. It's like, they like it here. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Peter Falk is the agent. And I'm like, I love that agents are so up their own ass. They sign off on that portrayal of, of right, right. They're just like, yeah, I'm a fucking asshole that eats alone. <laughs> I have a question. Go on. And this is for you specifically, Ooh, Colin. Thank you. Thank you for looking out for me like that. What was your honest reaction when the one of the heroes was just bare feet on the counter, on the table of his uh, office? What was your honest reaction? How many pictures did you snap? Uh, well, I, I, I first of all, I put it in the brain to log on to Wiki Feet later. Yes. And really, uh, really scope out what was going on with those souls. Yes. Okay, listen, all you foot fetishists out there, and we don't kink shame on here, so don't take this as a slight. You want to see the souls of Ben Affleck's feet? I have a movie for you. It's called Air. Glory <laughs> shots. <laughs> Crazy. I have a theory. On top and bottom. My, <laughs> I, I feel like. People who have foot fetishes and people who are completely oblivious to foot fetishes will put a lot of feet in their movies. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think oh, someone... accident. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't think someone who doesn't think about it is going to put it in. But, like, I can't express how much... Like, if this was... This is... Like, uh, what was that uh, 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 Sharon Stone movie, The Basic Instinct, right? Where she gives yes. you a little, little flash of what's yep. going on down there and people couldn't stop talking about it for five years. Yep. Like, let me tell you, that is, that is nothing compared to the amount of feet you see in this movie. I mean, Phil Knight's really just, or he, he really, really wanted you to show his feet. I am glad that, like, or that scene happened and I was like, gross. Like, why is this <laughs> happening? But then they show you at the end when they like yeah. show you the real pictures of people and stuff. There's a picture of him, right. the real guy at his desk with his shoes off because he's like a running hippie or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, he's like this cool guy. Let his dogs so, breathe. Yeah. 
I do like that, you know, two of the most powerful forces in Jordan's life are both named Phil. He's got Phil Jackson, go. the coach as well. It was also very non-traditional in terms of how you're supposed to do your job. So wait a second, Dylan. What did you feel about those those Back deep feet, ass, dirty ass <laughs> souls were they flopping dirty? around? No. No. I noticed it's they like were not dirty. They were they were clean. super clean. I think uh, if, I think if Ben Affleck really is a foot guy, I don't think I think he would show self- his own feet. Yeah, he'd be too self conscious, right? Yeah, he would make like the the office ladies show their feet. Like, yeah. oh, he's not even taking a break, and then they just put their bare feet <laughs> on their counter. That's the way he would be all foot. Or maybe. Affleck's got a Patreon, and the highest tier is <laughs> for $500, I will put my feet in a major motion picture just for you. I think I think this movie confirms to me that Ben Affleck is not a foot guy. Yeah, because he just put his own foot. Yeah, he wouldn't do it. He'd be too self He didn't even put Michael Jordan's foot. That'd be no. weird. That'd be very weird. You don't weird. see his face, but just you see his feet. feet. Lots Big of Jordan feet. <laughs> I think one, one, one foot. Didn't he have like a size 12 on one foot and a size 13 on the other? Jordan? Yeah. That's what I heard. It's like that's how you can tell the game wore sh- worn shoes. Oh, that they're mismatched. Yeah. yeah, and you know if you're Jordan, you can do that. If you're an average consumer, it's gonna be really hard. <laughs> One foot is bigger than the other. Such a simple but beautiful line. It was like it's not the shoe, it's the person putting the. Oh, a shoe is only a shoe until somebody it's... steps in. Oh, there you go. There yeah. you go. Yeah. One thousand and one. Is the uh, directorial debut of one Av Rockwell. Uh, she directed this film starring Tayana Taylor. Um, how would you describe this film? Um, it's it it follows the life. It's it's chopped up into three segments, like like the early nineties in New York City, and then like two thousand one in New York City, and then it cuts again to two thousand four in New York City. So a single mother, right, is struggling to raise her kid in New York City. Uh, while sh- she shouldn't have this child because she technically kidnapped him from like child services so that she could he could be under her care. Right. First, you see her, um, she's in a uh, shelter and the kid's in a group home and she's like kind of trying to be with this kid and take care of it. And you, the viewer, are just like, oh, well, she must have had her kid taken away from her for some reason. And then turns out that yeah she just took him <laughs> she saw someone who was like struggling like her and she was just like i don't want this kid to grow up in a home and like i don't know in a, in a sense it's like kindred spirits she's uh raising the kid and the kid doesn't find out till later yeah it's that's that's really something that happens like at the end that's like a reveal. Right. um but they're like in the same neighborhood and she's yeah. like why are you not talking to me they have an established relationship and then she's like, do you want to like come home with me instead of being at this home? And he's like, yeah, but you can't tell anybody like your real name and stuff. And so they set up this life together. The boy is really maladjusted, right. <laughs> like doesn't talk and stuff. And she doesn't have like a steady job and they're like couch surfing and, and she's making moves, really tough lady, you know, right. To the point that people don't like her because of it. Yeah. <laughs> Harlem. So it's like yeah, hard, tough Harlem lady. Yeah. She's just working nights and the kid is staying alone, you know, just being a weirdo and trying to navigate being a weirdo right. and not being able to tell anyone who you are and stuff. And uh, yeah, it's very dramatic. You see the boy growing up and it's also a really smart kid, but he has no means and there's like a love interest who's maybe his dad maybe not his dad uh it's 
not a fun movie to watch. Yeah. You're just seeing people struggle and live. But I will say that um, there's a line um, that uh, Tiana Taylor says at one point when she's talking to uh, said love interest. She's like, damaged people don't know how to love each other. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's kind of the movie summed up in one line. And it's like, if that line sounds unappealing to you (laughs) then this movie is going to be a real drag if that sounds like a very interesting concept to explore i think uh you're gonna probably like this movie a lot i like this movie a lot i think it also did something that i may have never seen in a movie before and that i appreciate greatly which is that first chunk of the movie where it shows her couch surfing trying to get settled in and everything I think there's a very hacky version of this movie where it's like they're settled into an apartment and she has a job and the kids in school and she's like, there we go. We made it. And then credits. And this movie's like, no, no, no. Show me like 10 years ahead of time where the kid is a maladjusted teen. He's all fucked up because he's grown up in this, you know, urban jungle, essentially like exposed to the elements and to say nothing of his very early uh, life where he's raised in, like, you know, group homes and stuff. Like, yeah, it's not awesome when yeah. just because you have, like, an apartment. And that's, you know, not to give too much away here, but the, the 1001, that the apartment number is 10-1, 10-01, and it's missing the dash. Hence, 1001, the, or the number of it's the apartment. It's the year of numbers, 65 <laughs> million years ago. Right. <laughs> the, the apartment number 10,001. Or 1001. So they flash ahead with him in high school and it's like, oh yeah, he's a fucking mess of a person. And, you know, he's adapting and he's like really smart, but he's just, you know, can't communicate well and all that. And then flash forward five years from there and like show him as a senior in high school and Mm -hmm. on the verge of going into college. But now he's doesn't know his social security number. It has like, yeah. So it's like they, they have made it. She has raised this child, she struggled to do it, to give him opportunities that she never had or that they never had, She, her and her boyfriend, Lucky. Um, and then it's like, okay, he's a high school senior. He turns out, turns out he's really gifted. He gets into like a tech high school, like a specialty high school. And then they're like, you need to apply to all these major uh, colleges and stuff. And he's like, eh, I don't know. Finally, okay, I'll do it. But now... Since she kidnapped him <laughs> as <laughs> right. a child, he has no papers. <laughs> yeah. So this is a whole new thing where it's like, okay, we've done all this stuff up until now. And now here's the day of reckoning. <laughs> right. And I think also to this movie's credit, and what I end up really liking about the movie is how it isn't melodramatic. It is dramatic, mm. you know, but there's a way to take the skeleton of this movie and turn it into like a very Tyler Perry, you know, just close up of faces crying constantly and Mm -hmm. but it's handled just so matter of factly and it's shot so well it looks really good there's like a subtlety in the acting Mm -hmm. i mean even when they're yelling at each other it isn't so overblown that you are lost as a viewer and um quietly one of my favorite parts of this movie is the landlord because yeah they show i mean there's like 
Because this is Giuliani's reconstruction of New York. Right. Oh, when they're cleaning up Times Square. Cleaning up everything. So like all the houses are being all bought up and the place is being gentrified. And you will hate this guy with a passion of a thousand sons because he comes into the apartment. He's like, oh, man, you guys have had this place forever. Here's what we need to do. We need to we need to fix your plumbing and get you some new fixtures. I mean, look at these, uh, you know, uh, cabinets cabinets and stuff like that. We're going to refloor your place. Like, don't worry. We we got you. He's like, hey, yeah, fine. Cool, cool. You know? And then, of course, like, he's using this as an excuse to essentially, like, have water shut off and, like, been like, oh, yeah, we'll, it'll be ready in, like, two months. Do you have somewhere to stay for two months? Like, of course, I don't have fucking a place to stay for two months. (laughs) Who has a place to stay for two months? And it's essentially showing how, like, you know, the true gentrification of places like that where they were just not forcibly but really bending every law imaginable and just inhumanely evicting the people in this neighborhood and like shops are closing and families are leaving and it's like it is background noise to Mm -hmm. this movie it's not at all a central point and the landlord who again who is like you have such animosity towards as a viewer. He's not like a mustache twirling, like doesn't have to be. Ha, ha. Doesn't just, have to be. It's the insidiousness yeah. of how yeah. like straight faced they are. Like, well, yeah, we'll just do this and that. And it's like, oh, well, that's unfortunate that your water isn't working. Hmm, well, I mean, you could always leave and find a new place to be. Like, yeah, pulling that kind of bullshit where it's like, it's so much more effective when it's a kind of a background figure and to like not a central plot point necessarily Mm -hmm. and like you get this cool you know cinema quality where as their life is falling apart their apartment's falling apart and Mm -hmm. the movie's named after the apartment so it's like show it's more the story of the apartment than the people (laughs) there's yeah there's like that layer that you can play with there stuff like that that's involved in it i think really elevates the film beyond like just a melodrama or a uh a, a quote-unquote sad hood movie you know yeah. <laughs> i think there's a lot more substance to it than what this could be which is just a drag to be a drag um very artfully done this director is amazing av rockwell this is her first movie uh she won the sundance uh grant award so like sundance has got her back <laughs> for whatever that means uh so yeah, hopefully she's able to do more stuff. Tiana Taylor was great in it. I yeah. I know like her records and she's in like some crazy like millennial movies like Roll Bounce or some shit like yeah, that. Yeah, she's or, like a dancer. Yeah. She like choreographed some Beyonce stuff. Oh, familiar. Yeah, she yeah, was in yeah, Honey. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 but I, I didn't know who she was before this. And I was like, dang, who is this person? Like she does an amazing job. Fucking, yeah. She is the movie. You know? Of course. Yeah, yeah. And uh She's like a tough character. Right. She doesn't really do anything to make you like her. She's not particularly <laughs> nice to people right, or anything. Right, right. She's just gets stuff done. Yeah. And you you know that she's like vulnerable and stuff, but she doesn't like allow herself to be. It is a, it's an impressive movie. Yeah. I mean, it shows you like the vicious cycle of like institutionalization right. and stuff yeah. like they're both coming from like the foster care system she knows what it's like there mm-hmm. their family has all essentially done time in in one place or another and they're all trying to get out of it and just trying to be a family and stuff it's a good depiction of just like how some people live right <laughs> you know? absolutely and so yeah none of the stuff feels untrue it's not melodramatic it's just really 
raw, I guess. Yeah. And to, yeah, double back to that point that I was making about showing like those jumps ahead in time. Again, you see the effect of those institutions, not just at the person at the moment, like long-term effects yeah. of being raised like that and in that kind of environment. And I don't know, it's just, just a very, very well done movie, well crafted. I'm glad that you guys like the visual aesthetic because I remember like seeing the poster for at least a few weeks and just thinking it was really beautiful and I was like, wow. Yeah, they have a couple of them, but the one that you're talking about, like the drawn one. Yeah, that one was amazing. Yeah, I think it's like a nod to the Harlem Renaissance style art. I don't know anything about Harlem. (laughs) Like Harlem Renaissance. (laughs) I was thinking during this movie, I'm like, this could be in a different style, of course, like a Spike Lee movie. Right, right. That's what it feels like, where it's more like a dramatic movie about like people just living their lives in the city. John Singleton, like that kind of movie. But I think that style has been copied and watered down so much Mm -hmm. that it's hard to recognize how like revolutionary it was when it uh, first came out. This movie has that kind of like, wow like auteur spark to it so it's not surprising that it did the um sundance awards Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's also not surprising that uh you've never heard of this movie (laughs) (laughs) and there's not really uh i don't think we're gonna see how how did it do against super mario did we get those box office it it didn't track but the the cool thing I, i will say this about regal is i have noticed that even movies that don't perform well it's almost like they have like a term with them, you know what I mean? Because like there were some movies that didn't do well that we liked that ended up, uh, yeah, not performing, but they ran for like three, four months. Right. So, I'm, yeah, I'm hoping this one, I imagine it's going to be running at least this week so I can go check it out. Yeah. yeah. I recommend it. A thousand and one. Are we, um, oh God, I can't, I, know. I don't want to joke around this movie. This is, this is a, a two craft. Yeah, craftful. it's like a serious movie. Yeah, are we uh, are we awarding the sun? Do we agree with the Sundance Institute selection <laughs> to uh, 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 re- reward this film, or do we disagree with their sentiment? I am going to uh, say I agree. It was a great call. Not that I know the other movies that it was up against or anything, but uh, uh, yes, I, I agree. The Sundance Award Committee did a good job. <laughs> yeah, give the laurels. There you go. There you go. This film. Way to stick the landing. Okay, let's. Uh, we get. We we we've got it. We're gonna mix it up for you today. <laughs> Guess what? We're gonna keep you on your toes. We're gonna hit you with the news and then the game. So Brent, hit us with some news. All right. Question for everybody: How familiar are you with the uh, Dana Carvey filmography? Uh, partially, a yeah. little bit. I mean, Three Amigos, right? Obviously. No, no, no. Wait, that's that's no, Martin Short. You're right. They're 100 percent right. Okay, uh, so Wayne's World. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the fuck is that stupid spy movie that he's in? Is that where he's the turtle? Yeah. <laughs> okay. You, you're, you're getting warmer. Or no, no, you're red hot right now. Actually, Jiminy Glick is Martin Short too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm familiar with Martin Short. <laughs> I'm going to take this. myself out of this conversation. <laughs> okay. Now. So the name of the movie where he's the turtle is called Master of Disguise. Yes. yes. And for a while there was this urban legend. Uh, he recently like started his own podcast with David Spade, where they're yes. talking about the good old days. And David wanted to know more about this this legend. You know, like, hey, I heard that like you had to like pray for the victims of nine eleven 
in the turtle suit. Yeah, like 9-11 happened while they were filming the sh- movie. Like, like 9-11 happened just as principal photography was starting. Oh, my God. So like they're doing like costume tests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really involved, like in terms of like putting it on, and putting yeah, on the prosthetics, yeah. putting on the bald cap, everything, right? Here's what Dana Carvey had to say. After 9-11, I was shooting a movie called Master of Disguise. We took an appropriate time off and went back to shooting. And I was playing, if you've seen the movie, kids, the turtle man with a bald cap and a weird thing on my lip and a big green shell outfit. I was in the costume all that day. And then they said, we're going to have a group prayer about 9-11. I wouldn't have held everyone for a half hour getting all that prosthetic makeup off. So, as I remember it, everyone was wearing civilian clothes. I'm dressed as the turtle man with a bald head and I'm holding hands and I'm lowering my head and praying. And I just thought at that moment, this is very strange. So yeah, confirmed rumor. I get it. I thought it was like some weird like public event mm-hmm. or something. But if it was the day of, then okay, that makes sense to me. Or, you know, the There's day a much less funny story. <laughs> can not stress how goofy this costume is? So to just be in this very yeah, heavy, a solemn moment. moment. Yeah. Jesus Christ. How, I, I just want to know how this uh, urban legend got around. I think because the civilian clad uh, yeah, cast like, dude. Like, was telling people, yo, this was the craziest thing that could have <laughs> happened. Legend confirmed. Yep. All right, well. This is a game. I'm the game master. Oh. This game is called AIMDB. Very topical. I'm going to give you a genre of film, and then I'm going to give you four plots to movies. Three of these plots are real movies. One of these plots is generated by ChatGPT. So, three real plots, plot summaries on IMDb, hence the name AIMDb. One, phony baloney, and you have to guess which is which. And it's going to be, we're going to go by genre. And these, all these movies are going to be from the 80s and 90s, because that's when there was real movies. Okay. <laughs> no fake movies. All right. So again, three of these are a real, one of these is a fake. 80s horror. A, your first choice. In a remote cabin in the woods, a group of college students unleashes an ancient evil when they play a cursed board game, as the malevolent force possesses them one by one, they must fight for their survival and find a way to banish the demon back to its realm before it's too late. Your second plot, also known as B. Three geeky college girls who can't get a date organize a seance and become sex-starved vamps. Is it C? A Martian begins to attack the patrons and staff of a movie theater during the 1950s as a low-budget science fiction film plays on the screen. Or is it D? A race of space vampires arrives in London and infects the populace, beginning an apocalyptic descent into chaos. One of these (laughs) plots that I have just described to you from the horror genre is AI-generated. The other three are real. What are your guesses? A, B, C, or D? Narrowed it down to B or D. Those are the two I'm deliberating. Anybody else have a different opinion on this? A is the board game one? Yeah. A, that sounds like Ouija to me. A is a remote cabin in the woods. A group of college students unleashes an ancient evil. Yeah. B is three geeky college girls. Can't get a date. Organize a seance and become sex fans. C is a, a Martian begins to attack the patrons and staff of a movie theater 
during the 1950s as a low-budget science fiction film plays on the screen. Yeah, that rings a bell to me. But D doesn't ring a bell, and B doesn't. Or B's just clunky to me. Yeah, B, B or D. But I can see A. What was D? D is a race of space vampires <laughs> arrives in London and infects the populace. All these sound good. B and right. D are sus. <laughs> I, like I think all I think these A movies. is just Ouija. Number yeah. A. Number A. <laughs> Justine says A. You say A? Brent, you're between B and D. You have to. You have to. No, but I want to like. I want to confer with Dylan on this. Like, what are you feeling? Do you like oh. B more? Or? I would say D. All right, put me down for B. And then, yeah. Right. The 18th finger. The AI plot is A. A remote cabin in the woods. <laughs> yeah. A group of college students unleashes an ancient evil when they play a cursed board game. It's a fake. We made it up. Sounds that, good though. <laughs> I guess like I thought it was Evil Dead. No, this is that without, is, just like, I thought it was Ouija. Um, so okay, B, uh, three geeky college girls. Uh, that is Nightmare Sisters from 1980. Unfamiliar. C, I thought is the the movie you were probably thinking of was the movie I was thinking of was his matinee yeah. with John Goodman. No, that was Midnight Movie Massacre from 1989. Uh-huh. And lastly, the vampires that descend on uh, London is uh, Life Force from 1985. Moving on, we are looking at romantic comedies. Your first plot. A coal mine in northern English village may be closing, which would also mean the end of the miner's brass band. The next plot that you must determine if it is AI or if it is real. A young doctor on his way across the country to a job interview crashes his car in a small town and is sentenced to work for several days at the town hospital. That is your second one. Your third. A commitment-phobic man falls in love with a free-spirited woman who teaches him how to care for abandoned ducklings in Central Park. And lastly, a New York girl sets her father up with a beautiful woman in a troubled marriage while her stepsister gets engaged. Can I hear A again? A coal mine in a northern English village may be closing which would also mean the end of the Miner's Brass Band. New strategy for me. I'm going to go with the thing that doesn't sound weird, so D. These are romantic comedy plots. (laughs) Three of them are. Yeah, One of them is fiction. We made it up. (laughs) One of them doesn't even sound like romantic comedy. Which one would that be? The first one. Yeah, that's a red herring. I'm going to say B. You say that B is the AI. I'm going to say A, even though I hope... I hope C is a real movie, the one with the ducks. Yeah, yeah. I want to watch that. I want to watch that movie. I need that to be real. I'm gonna say A. I happen to know that A is real. A is real. Do you know the name of the movie? Brassed off. It is. 1986 <laughs> is brassed off. <laughs> Fucking respect. That's a romantic comedy. A romantic college. What's the crazy what's the romantic respect part? for that pull? That's sick. I don't know. I mean, a romantic comedy can be said in anything. So Dylan, A has been eliminated. Damn it. Uh, B is also fact. That is Doc Hollywood starring. Uh, Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox, a young doctor on his way across the country yep. to a job interview, his car, blah, blah, blah. C, which no one shows, is an AI uh. fabrication. A commitment-phobic man falls in love with a free-spirited woman who teaches him how to care for abandoned ducklings in Central Park. We got you. As you punch in chat GPT, romantic comedy <laughs> duck with ducks. <laughs> oh, you put the duck thing. I okay. type in Roman. See, because that's the thing. Is like that was like such an outlier. That I was like, yeah. that's a. I thought that was a well, because every because if yeah. I just put in romantic comedies, it would be just like the most generic shit ever. I'm yeah. like, that sounds like anything. And you also have to worry about them actually being 
a plot to something. (laughs) So to avoid that, I put in something kind of specific, which is the duck thing. Oh, now you're telling us your method. Well, yeah, it's a fair... I I got all the cards on the table here. You know what messed me up with that one? First of all, I switched... I In my mind, I'd forgotten what the plot of B was, so I jumped the gun on that. But what messed me up was the stupid good person which we recently <laughs> saw and there's there like ducks. morgan freeman and he like sits by a lake and then i was like yeah people sit by lakes <laughs> there's ducks <laughs> well so far we have one point awarded to justine for being able to pick the ai in the first one no one got the second round round three our final round with an asterisk that there's a bonus question with a completely different format but our final <laughs> official round because I think that's what the other one's funny. Uh, this is the first time I use ChatGPT. I've only heard of like AI and all this stuff as like, you know, a buzz thing. It's like actually using this shit is kind of crazy. Okay. So this is, the genre here is sex comedy, a.k.a. titty comedies. <laughs> Again, all of these selections are from the 80s or 90s. Okay. So I'm not going not gonna to American Pie you, and I'm not going to go back to like, you know, Charlie Chaplin's uh, sex movies from the... Or whatever the fuck. Silent film era shit. <laughs> 80s and 90s where these uh, sex comedies take place in. And these plots, you must determine if they are real or fake. Your first one. A struggling dirt bike track owner teams up with a seductive businesswoman to save his business. But as they work together, they find themselves in a heated love-hate relationship that threatens to ruin everything. Your next plot. A group of sex-crazy guys pose as porno filmmakers just to audition groups of lovelies in various states of undress. Eventually, they are pressured into coming up with an actual movie. Your next plot. A less-than-elite group of college co-eds pursue sexual adventure and bits of revenge and actually do some of the work they are expected to do at a resort over the summer. And your last plot, which you must determine if this is a real sex comedy or if it is AI-generated. To prove his independence, a cocky teenager bets his father that he can support himself without the family business. But no one is more surprised than he is when the sex cream he invents actually works. (laughs) What's the first one? A struggling dirt bike track owner (laughs) teams up with a seductive businesswoman to save his business. But as they work together, they find themselves in a heated love-hate relationship that threatens to ruin everything. Damn it. I'm torn between that. A and C. I've been there before. (laughs) Hey, listen. I don't see Colin typing in sex cream. So (laughs) I'm between A and C. Right. Um, I want to hear other deliberations that are happening before I make my final decision. I can see AI making up sex cream, but okay. I don't know. Uh, so is it, do I put you down for D? Yeah. D for sex cream. I'm going to say A. You think A is the AI? Okay, to try to tie her, I'll go with C. A, a struggling dirt bike track owner. <laughs> we made it up. It's a total fabrication. <laughs> oh, there I hear a wheeze. I mean, there's a It isn't real. Involved. See, you're pretty good with swords because you say 80s. I think, uh, is that rad? Because I haven't seen rad so, in a while. I have to be 100% real with you. <laughs> so I'm trying to put these, I'm trying to put in plots, right? And I'm just making, I'm like, if you're too broad, if you're just like sex comedy, it's just like guys cross country lose their virginity. It's like, ah, oh, that's actually a plot. So you have to like put in these specifics yeah. to like make yeah, so you it. did dirt bike track. So, so, well, first I was like, zookeepers. 
I swear to God. I said a teen sex comedy about zookeepers. Just trying to think of like ad libs, right? The chat GPT, first of all, replaces sec, uh, teen to tune because you can't say teen sex. Teen sex and zoo are the most horrid <laughs> shit wow. that you could possibly type in. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like it, it auto-corrected teen to tune. So it's like an animated feature about a group of horny zookeepers who plot to have sex with all of the animals. Fuck. But I was like, oh, what, what the fuck? Okay, take out the teen sex. Let's say 80s, 80s sex comedy dirt bike <laughs> dirt track oh what's the what's the fucking sex cream movie the sex cream movie? okay I, I forgot i need to make up. it tell you the real movies so b the sex crazed guys who pose as porno filmmakers that is screen test from 1985 yep, yep. c a less than a group of college co-eds that pursue sexual adventure and are actually do their job over the summer that is summer job from 1989 and to prove his independence, a cocky teenager bets his father that he can support him. This was the wildest fucking swerve to me. Because you have to find movies that aren't like super obvious, yeah. but that plots sound yeah. funny. But no one is more surprised than he is when the sex cream he invents actually works. That is Body Waves from 1992. Yeah, is. <laughs> what is this father's business? Why is sex cream? <laughs> How does it work? Body waves. Body waves from the, the, 1992. The art for that is really cool. And That's you could cool. just yeah. look up IMDb and you yeah. can see these films. Now I have a I have a fun twist on this game. We're just going to watch body waves. <laughs> yes. Dead silence. Mm -hmm. So what you're going to hear on the microphone is just going to be the sounds of sex waves coming from. Hey, the, hold on. So would IMDb's description of Star Wars be? A war amongst the stars. <laughs> it's a, uh, an intergalactic battle between yeah, yeah. rebels. I don't, know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so to mix it up, you have to guess the real title of this plot. So this is a plot of a real film. Okay. No AI shenanigans. Yeah, okay. One of these selections is the real title of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other three are fake. Yeah. Our writers made it up. <laughs> All right. So shout gonna, out to the writing staff. I'm going to give you. Uh, the plot, and then I'm going to give you four options. Your job is to guess the real title okay. of the real movie that actually exists. A mutated creature is wreaking havoc in a small town in Idaho. A police chief and a government scientist team up to save their rural town from its menace. Is the title of this film Toxic Terror, Mutagen, The Being, or Creature from Within? Mutagen. One for mutagen. Uh, D, the creature within. What is the name of the film, Justine? The Being. The movie is 1981's The Being. <laughs> I've got to say, somehow, the AI is not going to get past Justine. All of us are fucked. <laughs> when these robots come down. Oh, I embrace our AI over. We're going to get yeah, shattered. Yeah, yeah. We've got Sarah, Sarah Connor over here yeah. holding it down for the resistance. That's all I have for AIMDB. You guys like this one? I do. Okay. But I'm, I'm going to overthink every single one. <laughs> yeah. That's how they get you. Yeah. So, our, yeah, well, I guess we'll, we'll leave it to the, the people to email us moviemasters760 at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of this game. I'm Jonathan Frakes. I'm Jonathan Frakes. Have you ever seen? Uh, we're talking. What's this movie? What's that show called? Beyond Belief, Fact or Fiction. We're watching this show called Beyond Belief, Fact or Fiction from the '90s. Jonathan Frakes, uh, Riker from uh, Next Gen. He comes on. He's like the host, and he comes out with such this aggressive swagger it's every time. Can you trust your eyes? Look at this optical illusion and tell me: is this curved or is it flat? <laughs>
It's flat. <laughs> it's got this delivery. And then they tell you five short stories, like straight up goosebumps, like, you know, <laughs> silly, like kids go into a house and it's haunted and they run out. Next story. Uh, what was a lawyer. Um, I don't know. Some guy runs a business, but it's like a scam and he's just collecting all this money and hiding it in a wall behind his desk. And then he gets cursed and he dies. But it turns out there was radiation leaking from a medical place next door. And the <laughs> hole he put in the wall was a hole in the lead panel. So he had been getting radiation poisoning and that's why he died. So you, the viewer, have to determine if it's false yeah. or if it really happened. And so at the end, he'll, he'll, they'll, they'll go past all the movies. Oh, remember the one about the guy and the doctor? Mm-hmm. It's fake. We made it up. That one was real, though, by the yeah. way. <laughs> that was a real one. But... Quick question that, that, that just as you were talking about this, I'm like, wow, you guys watch this whole other thing aside from like watching movies. Well, Colin and I have also made our tiny little Criterion Club. Yes. We just never stop watching stuff. It's insane. It's terrible. Yeah. I hate it. What did we watch? What was the last one we watched? Summertime. No, the, the oh, Godzilla, Godzilla one. Godzilla. Uh, oh, the original Godzilla. Yeah, is in Criterion. Yeah. It was like some space. It was. Oh, it was it's Invasion. Like I think it was Invasion of the Astro Monster. Yeah, we we, have, we we abide by the random number generator. Yeah. This time around, I got to watch Blue Velvet. Me, the the the, the Lynch hater. I, finally I was thinking about revisiting movie. that. Yeah, recently, I'll, I'll let you know I, how I it goes. The trigger. You're on that. I'm going. Uh, that's the next movie we have queued up. It's yeah. locked and loaded. Mm. Blue Velvet. Horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Rather watch uh, 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 Catherine Hepburn. Doing uh, just getting a staph infection in her eye. <laughs> yeah, she did this movie. She did this movie, uh, Summertime in uh, Venice. And um, it's a, like, it's a, it's a man, maybe proto uh, senior cinema. She's okay. a uh, secretary and she saves up her money to, for a once in a lifetime trip to Venice because she's obsessed with Venice for some reason. She's like a single woman over 50. Yeah. And she's uh, just lonely and in this place and like, you know, just there for whatever, and this shopkeep kind of takes a shine to her and pursues her, and she a fancy Italian man, yeah, fancy Italian shopkeep, mm. and so it's like just a, a a cool romance film set in Italy at the in the fifties, uh, but she and at some point it's fucking it's a hilarious scene because she's like kind of backing up to like take pictures to, to get this picture right, right, because she's a tourist she's taking a lot of pictures, and this is all like a street rat kid. He's like bothering her the whole time. Lady, you want to do this? Lady, you want to do that? And he's like in her ear. And uh, she's just like, now quiet. You don't say anything to me. I don't want to hear you talk for the next time. Blah, 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 blah. And so she's backing up and the, you're seeing the kid and he's watching her like back up into the. Toward the canal. The canal. Because of course it's Venice. So everything's in underwater, right? And uh, she falls backwards into the water. And it's one of the best shots. She's falling backwards and the kid just grabs her camera. Yeah, and she saves the camera, but she still falls in the ocean or in the canal. And, um, you know, it's played for comedic effect or whatever, because mm-hmm. she told the kid to shut up. And then, you know, he could have warned her, but she told him to shut up. But in real life, she got a staph infection from falling into that filthy, Ew. disgusting water. And eye. it persisted with her for her entire life after filming that movie. So oh, no. Catherine, her eye. Yes. Catherine Hepburn is like half blind because of this single shot in this movie that you can watch. It's so sad. Fucked up, right? Gross. <laughs> Yeah, you've already determined that Blue Velvet's next, but if the you know this one was set in Venice, another Venice film, which is a favorite of Dylan and mine, called Don't Look Now. Um, you guys familiar with that? I don't Donald know. Donald Sutherland. 
You're in for a treat when you watch okay. it. It had its own controversy, but but not because of injury. But right. yeah, you'll, you'll get to it. All right. So, Dylan, why don't you tell the people what we're watching next? Unlimited. Yeah! Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Regal Movie Masters Unlimited. We have a bunch of movies to watch this week, so let's get into it. No jokes for any of this. We got Paint, the movie about Bob Ross. Renfield, the movie about Dracula's servant. Pope's Exorcist, very self-explanatory. Mafia Mama, hell yeah. Nefarious, what is that? And Suzumi, uh, the one anime I hope you get to watch. Anyways, everybody, we'll see you next time. Bye.